15. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Neither is there any breath in their mouths. They that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the great singing this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful Sunday school. I thank you, Lord, for this good crowd of people. Lord, I pray today, God, that you'd help us to preach in power. Certainly we're unworthy, but Lord, you have made us worthy. And God, through your blood, we plead that the Holy Spirit would have his free right of way. God, I pray if there'd be one lost today that you'd save them. I pray if there'd be one backslidden that you'd move them closer. And above all else, I pray, God, that you'd be glorified. Do that now as only you can, and we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The psalmist said, man has gods that he made. He made gods with his hands. And he makes them with little eyes, but they can't see. He makes them with little ears, but they can't hear. He makes them with a little mouth, but they never say anything. He makes them. He sets them up. He worships them. Can I say to you this morning that Man is built to worship something. All men worship something. And in the absence of a real God, they'll invent gods, they'll make up gods in order to worship. But these gods don't do anybody any good. They're at best good luck charms, they're relics, they're something that are to be set up and for man to get man's attention, to make man feel a little better. But as I've been preaching over these last three or four weeks... I'm glad this morning that you and I that are saved have a God that hears, a God that sees, and a God that speaks. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, when I make my prayers to him, the Bible said he hath inclined his ear unto me. He listens. I'm glad when I live my life out and I'm facing difficulty and troubles, I've got a God whose eyes go to and fro over the earth, beholding the good and the evil. I'm glad that he sees. And I'm glad, thank God, that when I need a word from heaven, hallelujah, he speaks. I've heard from him, haven't you? What I'm going to tell you in the last few weeks around the church, I believe we've all been hearing from him. And I say glory to God for that. That's what we've been needing around here is to hear from heaven. I want to say this to you this morning, hearing from me won't do you any good. Hearing from the Sunday school teachers, that won't do you any good. But boy, when you get to hearing from heaven, all of a sudden business starts to pick up. And what this world needs is to hear from heaven. As I preached on that last week, a God who speaks. I'm glad that he does. I'm glad he's been speaking to our hearts in these days. I want to preach a little while this morning if the Lord will help us. On a God who tastes, a God who tastes, you say, preacher, now you fell off the deep end right here. You're going to preach a whole message on a God that tasted something. Boy, you're exactly right. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter number two. Hebrews chapter number two, and I want to share with you a few verses there beginning in verse number six. 
You say, preacher, you mean a God, a God taste? Well, let's look together and see what we can see. Verse number 6 says in Hebrews 2, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Of the son of man that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in submission under his feet. For that he has put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is put under him. But now we see not all things put under him. Look at verse 9. Are you with me? Verse 9 says, but we see Jesus. Watch this. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor. And by the, that, by, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death. For every man. I'm going to preach out of these verses a little bit this morning on a God who tasted death for me. A God who tasted death for me. Can you imagine that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, God the Son, that he tasted death not just for us, but according here to the book of Hebrews, he tasted death for every man. Now the Calvinist would say that that every man, really what God meant to say was that he tasted death for the elect. He tasted death for the church only. For surely God didn't taste death for those who would never believe in him. But I'm going to report to you this morning that God tasted death for every man. And when the Bible says every man, that means every man. I'm glad that the door of salvation is open to everyone that believeth. I'm glad that God doesn't call anyone because of race or because of ability to pay. But I'm glad there's a God in heaven that loves all. Amen. I'm glad the door of salvation is open to all. Now I, want to, I want you to hear what I'm saying this morning. There's not a Calvinist bone in my body. I believe in God being big, sure, but I also believe that it's a whosoever will salvation. I believe he's opened the door of salvation unto all men, and I thank God for that. Now, you say, well, preacher, there's a lot to that. I'm not going to preach all in that. But I'm just going to say that we see here that Jesus tasted death for every man. That means you. That means me. That means everybody. There's nobody in here that Jesus did not taste death for. What a blessing that is this morning. Now we're going to consider a few things about God tasting death for us. And I want you to think about it this morning. And I want you to think about how that he tasted death for you individually. Sometimes we think in the abstract. We think about Jesus dying on the cross for the entire world. And I'm glad that he did. But buddy, when you get to thinking about Jesus marching up Calvary's hill and dying on the cross for you as an individual, boy, it starts to be real in your heart and real in your soul in them times. When I get to thinking about how that he died, not just for the entire world, but he died for me individually. I was on his mind when he marched up Calvary's hill. I was on his mind when he bled and died. Boy, when that thought comes to my mind, it's more than I can take in. I'm like the songwriter said I can scarcely take it in when I think that Jesus loved me individually so much that he bled and died for me personally I want us to think about that for just a few moments this morning first I want you to consider with me if you will the condescension of Christ the Bible said here 
that he was made a little lower than the angels. Now, the book of Hebrews is a book of better things. You'll find that all throughout the book of Hebrews. What we found in Hebrews 1, I preached on it last week, Christ is better than the prophets. Those prophets that the Jews held in such high esteem. My friend, when Christ came on the scene, they had to say, that's him. That's him. That Christ was better than the prophets. Here in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, we find that Christ is better than the angels. I say, thank God for that. Oh, yes, the angels held in high esteem among the Jews, accompanying so many of the Old Testament miracles. When they see the Lord Jesus Christ, they bow in his presence. uh, And Christ is better than the angels. We find in Hebrews chapter number 3 that Christ is better than Moses. And so he's better than all of these things. He's better than the law. He's better than anything that we've ever known. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Prince of peace. He is the fairest among 10,000. He is the bright and morning star. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is all in all. He is altogether lovely. He is the, hey, he is the day star. Amen. He is the one, the one that is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the Lord. But in order to save you, he came down. He wasn't dragged down by anyone but chose himself. He humbled himself and made himself to be a little lower than the angels so that we might have a high priest that could identify with our sufferings. He became as we are. As we'll see in a few minutes, we were sold out under the first Adam, but Christ became the second Adam to redeem mankind unto himself. And so Jesus came down. Oh, you talk about a good God this morning, that he would be willing to humble himself, to come down from his high and holy abode, to rescue an old sinful man like me. I don't know about you, but I deserve hell. That's where I ought to be this morning. I'm a hell-deserving sinner. But I'm glad Jesus condescended to where I was one day. I'm glad he came by to me personally where I was at and made a difference, Brother Dennis, in my life. Can I say if I don't get to preach any more of this message, I could stop right now and shout for glory in that Jesus came down from the heaven's heights to rescue a sinner. I'm glad the book of Psalms said this poor man cried and he heard my cry and lifted me up out of a miry pit. I'm glad he came down to where I was. We see his condescension. He condescended, first of all, to redeem mankind. He came that he might redeem mankind. Now, the Bible said that he tasted death for every man. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. He not only tasted, literally what those verses, what that wording means there, is that he tasted every kind of death. He tasted every kind of death of death for mankind. What do you mean, preacher? Well, we all understand about his physical death. Everybody understands that, right? He went and bled and literally died on Calvary. He didn't swoon. He didn't pass out. He literally gave up his life on Calvary's tree. But that's not the only death that Jesus died for us. He died a spiritual death. What do you mean, preacher? He was separated from his father. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know what a spiritual death is? A spiritual death is man being separated from God. 
And so Jesus not only died a physical death, but he died a, a spiritual death at Calvary when he was separated. So he tasted every kind, emotional death. He tasted that at Calvary. But I'm glad to report to you, and I may run and shout right here, that he only tasted. What do you mean, preacher? Well, the Bible said he tasted death. Being the only one who was able to lay his life down, thank God, and then pick it up again. I'm glad this morning when I preached to you about Calvary's cross, that's not the end of the story. Jesus isn't still hanging on the cross. He came down and went into the tomb. And on the third and appointed morning, he was resurrected, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. That's the story of the gospel. That's the hope of mankind. That's the promise of salvation. I'm glad to report to you that while he did taste every kind of death, he only tasted death. It was only for a moment. And he rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. So we see that he tasted death, he condescended that he might redeem mankind. But there's some wording in these verses that a lot of people miss. He came down and condescended, Brother Neil, that he might renew, that he might renew his man's standing. That he might renew man's standing. Now, you can read through there. Now, uh, you can look through there and say that verse number 8. Uh, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Now, he's not speaking about Christ there. He's speaking about man. You see, when man walked in the Garden of Eden, everything was in subjection under his feet. The, the beasts obeyed him. Uh, the fields did what he wanted. Man was, had subjection. Everything's in subjection to man. Man had rule over the entire planet. But you see, through Adam's sin, uh, everything got turned upside down. He no longer has a, a rule over the animals. You said, oh, now I'm not sure about that. Go out there and wrestle a bear for me. And tell me if you got rule over the animals. You'll find out real quick you don't have rule over the animals. And so he lost all that by sin. But what Hebrews 2 is talking about here, he said Jesus is going to come and restore. Now what are you talking about, preacher? Well, he condescended himself. And where the first Adam sold us out through sin, that second Adam paid for that sin on the cross. That he might redeem mankind, but he ain't done redeeming. What do you mean, preacher? There's a great millennial coming. That day when the lion's going to lay down with the lamb and man is going to be returned to his standing of having been ruler over the entire planet. You say, preacher, you think that's coming? It's in the Bible. It's all over the Old Testament. There's more verses in the Old Testament about the millennial than there is about a lot of different things. I'm telling you, it's coming. He's going to rule and reign for a thousand years, and thank God I'm going to rule with him. (laughs) Amen. And he is going to, through his condescension and the price he paid at Calvary, he redeemed the entire planet, you see. He's going to redeem it all 